Hello and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Johnny McFarlane and today I'm joined by pod regular, the Sunday Mail, Scott McDermott and Record Digital's Mark McDougall. Today on the pod, after defeat to Kilmarnock at Ibrox, we ask if Graham Murty is the man to lead Rangers into the next campaign. After a flurry of social media comment and speculation, we look at Stevie Clark as a potential Rangers manager and player of the year. What Rangers players are in with a shout in the big individual prizes. Scott, where else to start but with Graham Murty's position as Rangers manager after that defeat to Kilmarnock coming on the back of a defeat to Celtic two games in a row and now seven home defeats over the whole campaign. I know not all of those were down to Graham Murty but at the same time are we now at a stage where it's looking highly difficult to see him becoming the the full-time Rangers manager at the end of the season? Yeah, we're probably looking at that now, Johnny. I mean, it's been a horrendous week, obviously, for the club and Graham Murty. Two really damaging defeats. Um, But we sat here a fortnight ago, before the Celtic game, and obviously there was Rangers had real momentum. There was a real kind of swell of support for for Graham Murty after a few good results. But I think we were pretty cautious at the time on this podcast in terms of just saying look I think I actually said to you I couldn't remember a season where the next no, the last 10 games of the campaign would be so defining in terms of so many different different things no, Graham Murty's future no, would it be a, a, another treble for Celtic uh, is it a good or a bad season for Rangers if they finish second or third there's so many things still to be decided that's why that Celtic game was so so crucial at Ibrox. Um, having lost that, Graham Murty then had to see a big reaction um, against Kilmarnock last week and clearly didn't get it. And, I, and no, I wasn't at the game, but reading some of the reports, seeing the highlights, I think the most worrying thing will be that no, there was just a real lethargy about them. There was no, no, there wasn't that reaction that you would know through the years when Rangers or Celtic for that matter had lost all Firm games. No, you used to hear opposition managers saying this is the worst time to get them because they're just going to fly out the fly out the traps. Clearly, that wasn't the wasn't the case. Um, and yeah, I mean the the world that Graham Murty's living and he knows himself. No, when he got that gig only until the end of the season, it was almost like on a game by game basis he was going to be judged. He's had the plaudits for good ones over like Aberdeen, Hibs, Hearts. Uh, he took the plaudits, even getting the draw at Celtic Park, obviously. Um, but now he's facing a bit of criticism. He's quickly finding out what it really means to be Rangers manager, especially when you're losing games and looking ahead. No, if you're in the, if you're on that Rangers board, I think you're now having serious doubts as to whether you you want Marty in charge next season. Mark, what's your take? Just Scott's been quite pessimistic there. For me, I, I, and I understand it, but there's also the fact that if he goes and wins, unlikely as it is, the semi-final against Celtic and comes second, then it's very difficult for him not to get the job. And I suppose, ultimately, it's still in the balance, isn't it? It is definitely still in the balance, but I think Scott's right in the sense that it's, it's so the so season-defining that Celtic game, because uh, you could see on uh, Saturday, it just didn't seem to be a reaction at all. I think the players were really down, the fans were down, but look at the atmosphere at Ibrox was just like a library on Saturday, when, uh, especially after the goal, but even before it, it was just 
a nightmare for players to be playing in. Uh, and I think that a lot of fans are now turning against Martin. I don't think you could. I think Rangers really need the Rangers board really need to go out and get somebody that's going to come in and push Rangers to the next level. I don't know if Marty can take them any further than what he has. I know I, I sat here last week and said that I thought it would be too much of a risk to try and change it, but now I'm thinking it may actually be too much of a risk to keep him because he just doesn't seem to be able to get the players to realise what it is playing at Ibrox in front of a crowd that isn't going to be happy if things go wrong, that aren't going to sit there and take poor passes or players not giving 100% for 90 minutes every game. But and Sorry, man. You and I just, I'm just not entirely sure that it's, it's working for him. The, the problem for Marty, I think, one of the biggest problems in the last week, when you look at the Celtic game, no, there's a lot of chat among Rangers fans, no, a lot in social media, granted, but no, when Celtic go to 10 men, no, they wanted Marty to do something, No, whether it was throwing Jason Cummings on, going two up front. They, they wanted to see the manager then take the game. No, and it, You're talking as if it's players here, but they wanted to see the manager take the game by the scruff of the neck and think, right, we've finally got Celtic where we want them, at Ibrox on level terms. We've played well. Let's go for the go for the throat. And instead, Rogers, Brendan Rogers, tactically, no, won that battle again by throwing Edward on. So, in the aftermath of that, Murty got a lot of criticism. You then fast forward to the the Kilmarnock game, and he makes another huge decision in dropping Morelos, who'd obviously missed the chance against Celtic. But I think we agreed he'd played really well in the game. I mean, it was I thought it was harsh leaving Morelos out. No, if that if that was the reason that he felt he hadn't done it against Celtic, leaving him out at home to Kilmarnock for me was a mistake. I'm a big fan of Jason Cummings, but I've always said no, him playing that lone striker role is very difficult. He needs somebody alongside him. He's no as good, nowhere near as good as Morelos at playing that role. Um, so again, that decision's brought criticism for the fans, and as Mark says, there's now. We've very quickly gone for this swell of support for Murty. There's now real murmurs you know, among the, the Rangers support that this guy, you know, as far as they're concerned, this guy might might not cut it. But I agree with Mark also that if you're going to change it all again at the end of the season and another new guy comes in, it just means more upheaval. No, it makes it more difficult to go and catch Celtic next season. That's why it will still be a dilemma for the for the Rangers board. Um, and because, as we've discussed so many times, it does need to be someone that fits in with Mark Allen. So yeah. you can't just go out and get anyone. No. But, again, I'm assuming, or we should all assume, that Mark Allen's got a list of, a list of candidates ready to go. Dangerous assumption based uh, on the last time. It certainly is. It certainly is. Um, but, I mean, he must have... if. At any club, if you give a manager a job for six months, no, mm. if the managers only get a, get a deal until the end of the season, surely the, the, the director of football will have a list of guys there sitting, you no, know, ready and waiting, thinking if this doesn't work out, if the, if the whole Graham Murty uh, thing doesn't doesn't work the way we want it to, then I'm going to need to turn to this list and get somebody else in. I mean, th- that should be a that should be one of the positives, positives of having a director of football is the fact that it can happen quickly. There should be guys there lined up. But as you say, you know, after Cashinia's exit, there doesn't seem to be a list sitting there. I, w- I would hope they won't make the same mistake again. I mean, when you look at uh, 
clubs now are in England, we always laugh at them when they sack the managers and they've got somebody in right away, but that's exactly how it should be done. Exactly. It's, it's just good business sense to have somebody in place yeah. rather than have to go get a caretaker manager in for a few games and then go get go start trying to find a manager then and hope that they don't reject you like happened Rangers this yeah. day. You, oh. can, you can still... Listen... The modern world, you can still go and do your homework and people, you can speak to agents, you can you can have guys lined up, you can know who's interested and you can have your list. I'm not saying you're going to get your, your top guy, you might not even get your second choice, but there should be at least you know, five candidates sitting on Mark Allen's desk ready, ready to go. OK, well let's look at some of those potential candidates and start off with the man that Alex Ray said the board would be failing in their duties if they weren't looking at him, the guy who masterminded the 1-0 win on Saturday, Steve Clark. Tactically pretty impressive, I thought, from, from what I've read and what I've seen of the game. Uh, he really blocked up that midfield and took advantage of the fact that Rangers have essentially only two men in the middle there, flooded that area, and then, from what I can gather, pretty much Kilmarnock dominated the game. It wasn't one of these smash-and-grab uh, efforts. So, he's had an incredible start. You, you can't deny it, it's Scottish football, no matter what you say. I mean, if the league had started when Steve Clark was appointed, Kilmarnock would be second and only three points behind Celtic. Do you think he could be a good fit as Rangers manager, Mark? I, I think he would be perfect in the sense that he'd come in. Like, anyone that could get a Chris Boyd that was struggling, didn't seem, didn't look like he wanted to play football anymore, and all of a sudden he's the top goal scorer in the country if anyone he said last night on BBC that he was going to pack it in yeah. when Steve Clark took over he said oh, my body's not working anymore I'm just going to pack it exactly. in exactly so anyone that could get Boyd playing to the, the levels that he was playing at 10 years ago again is clearly a good coach I think that's what Rangers need right now is there's plenty of talent at Rangers there's just not somebody that seems to be tactically aware or knows how to change things up against different teams to get the results and, uh, and Clark seems to be able to do that again he's made his is that a bit unfair? Is, uh, Graham Murty tactically? I think he is tactically aware. It's just whether or not he's got the he's got the experience to make changes. That, I think uh, he's fallen into the same sort of trap that Mark Warburton did and not having a plan B during games because mm. you've seen him. We've seen him change it at the start of games. He's changed to the diving formation against Aberdeen and stuff like that. But then during the games, he seems to just leave it until it's too late to change things up. I, I agree. I think that's a big thing. But we shouldn't really be surprised at that. This is a this is an inexperienced mm. coach, an inexperienced manager. That, no, all due respect to Graham Murty, um, and I've interviewed him, he's a really good guy, I've got a lot of time for him. I think he could well be a, a good, no, a very good manager in, in years to come. He's shown a bit. Aye, he, but his last job was no, with Norwich under-18s, then it's going on to Rangers under-20s. Of course... Tactically, he's going to be naive and experienced. He's basically, no, he's learning on the job, pretty much. I don't think we should, of course, for the fans, it's frustrating, but I don't think we should really be that surprised that that, he's, that he gets tactically outthought by a Brendan Rodgers or a Steve Clark. I talk about guys that have managed at top top level, you no know, Champions League level. In the, in the case of Rodgers, Steve Clark's been at Chelsea, been at Liverpool. No, these guys have been around. Uh, around, they're not that old, but they've been around the block compared to compared to Marty. So again, I think the board need to take some sort of criticism for that. When you look at who they've brought in as his backroom staff, obviously Johansson's not had much of a career. Jimmy Nichols' experience, he knows Rangers, he knows Scottish football, but his last jobs were with what Cowden Beath manager yeah. and Northern Ireland assistant. So it's not like he's been at the top level in recent years, and I, d- I don't think that helps. Martin either because it's, it's somebody who knows Rangers and what Rangers are about but it's not somebody who's going to be 
out there changing things and tell Marty where he's going wrong. Do you get a sense that Jimmy Nicholl was more of a PR appointment? Because he, 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 on the touchline, Marty is talking to Johansson. He seems to be his de facto number two. I don't know if Jimmy's more on the a training ground influence, but he doesn't seem to be having an influence during the games. No, I think Jimmy Nicol was brought in, A, for his experience. Um, no, when you've got Marty and Johansson there, very inexperienced you know, youth coaches, essentially. They needed somebody with, with proper experience, and if they could get a Rangers man in, uh, for want of a better expression, then all the better and you know, they hit the jackpot really with, with Jimmy Nicol in terms of being able to go and being able to go and get him. And I also think you no know, where Murty wanted Nicol was just to get in among the dressing room and just you no know, foster a bit of spirit. I think he felt that was probably lacking. But we know it was lacking under Kashinia. No, there was all sorts of stories about leaks in the dressing room and you no know, players unhappy and stuff like that. I think Graham Murty saw Jimmy Nicol was a guy who could really bring people together, and I think he has. To be fair, I mean, despite you no know, the, these these few couple of bad results, you no know, in general the squad does seem a lot happier. The, the whole club seems a, a kind of happier place, certainly from the the Kishinia time. Um, but I agree with Mark. It, it's now getting to the point where you're, where you know, when you look at it, Rangers are Rangers need a real top operator in there. No. And, if you want to go and if, if they want to really go and challenge Celtic next season and no, let's face it looks like Brendan Rodgers at the moment will still be there next season you need a really top guy. Would you think Steve Glock is someone who would fill into that uh, fall into that category? I, th- I think he's a I think he's a top operator I mean in terms of just how quickly he's turned Kilmarnock no, that to me is a surprise but it's not a surprise at all that he's been successful with them and that the players have taken to him and there's, that there's been an upturn in results. As I said before, this this guy's operated at a real top level, a real quality coach, and it was a coup, I think, for Kilmarnock even to get him. Obviously, he'd get links to, to, to Ayrshire and stuff like that, and that, that would have helped. Um, is he the man for Rangers? I, I certainly agree with Alec Ray that the board... No, the board are obliged for a guy who's doing that well and he's on your doorstep with the experience. I mean, as I say again, if you take away no Kilmarnock off his CV, no, his CV before that would be good enough no, for Rangers to warrant at least go and speak to him if he's, if he's available. But is that true, though? I mean, I know that he had a very good first season at West Brom, but he, he didn't last 18 months with either of his two clubs. You know, he was sacked out of Reading, he was sacked out of West Brom. Both clubs were really, really struggling when he left. He seems to be a guy who goes in and has an instant impact over a, a short period of time and then it, it's fallen apart for him after but that. If, but if he's, if he's a Scottish coach and he's available, no, when you think of the level that Rangers are at or have been at, if Steve Clark was swimming about England and, and was available, then you would go and talk to him, surely. And now, the fact he's... No, he's done remarkably well at Kelly, as I say, he's on he's on your doorstep. No going to get him for command that you would feel that, that Rangers would have enough enough pull. However, there's no there's no getting away for the fact he's no, he's a Celt- he's a Celtic fan, Celtic fan as a kid. I don't know how much that would hold back the, the Rangers board. I don't know how much impact that would have on fans. Would they really would they care what his what his background is or who he supported as long as he get results? I'm not sure, but 
it's it's something that will probably come into their come into their thinking if if they are genuinely looking at him as a as a contender. I think the West Brom thing in particular falls into the English category of if you don't guarantee the same success right away, then yeah. you're, you're out the door. I mean, he took them to eighth in the Premier League. That's right. It's the highest, it's ever, the highest ever finish at Reading. I think he got to the FA Cup semi final as well while they were in the Championship. So, Brendan Rodgers get a sack for Reading. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, so. it's, it's he done excellent jobs at both and wasn't really given time to build on it, I don't think. Do you think that he's the type of manager that Rangers would go for in a sense that he's more of a training ground coach than a a man manager so he does fit into that Dave King idea of getting a, pl- a guy who can come in who can work on what's there and develop them and of course he has Mark Allen above him so given that his role at West Brom was not manager but head coach he does fall into that quite well quite tidily whereas maybe some of the other managers that we might talk about might mean that there might have to be a change of structure within Rangers yeah, definitely fits in that well, but obviously he'll want some of his own players. I mean, you see, he's went, took the likes of Yusuf Molenbe and that Kilmarnock, but he's the players that were already there, he's made them so much better. Like the likes of Stephen O'Donnell, even at right back, has been excellent since he came in. Uh, he's turned Kirk, Kirk Broadfoot into a good defender again. That's a miracle. Which yeah. is, I don't like he's had a good game since the UEFA Cup run in 2008 for Rangers. And, uh, Listen, an odd joke aside, but what he's done with those players it's, it's, in a, a short space of time, and it just shows you, you know, this kind of, you know, people say it's you not know, so down to the players, it's odd down to the players. A manager, you know, Steve Clark's living proof of what a manager can do for players and what he can do for a team. I think that's because that, that team, before he came in, I mean, just, as you say, the defence, you know, that kind of ageing defence of Broadfoot and Greer, O'Donnell came in, didn't he quite hit the ground running. Um, you know, as you say, Chris Boyd's ready to, ready to chuck it. Even guys... Jones. Jordan Jones. has been sensational. Obviously, yeah. Even, even guys like Eamon Brophy who, who've yeah. come in who... No, might have been seen at the end. Probably struggling to get a game at Kilmarnock. No, after after he moved there, but just looks a an outstanding. I know guys that have that have watched Kelly, no, regularly in the last kind of six to eight weeks, and said Brophy's just been outstanding. So he does boys running for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you just can't you can't underestimate the job the job that Clark. As I say, I'm no majorly surprised that he's had a big impact because I think he's a top coach and. Scottish football and Kilmarnock were lucky to get him back back up here given where he's been but in terms of the actual time and how quickly he's turned it round and, and getting those results you'd have maybe expected them to turn it round and they would start beating you know, your St Johnsons, your Dundees the people around them comfortably but to actually go and take points uh, off both all firm clubs and, and look comfortable in doing it is, uh, is incredible. I think Brendan Rodgers is a good example of what a manager can do for players as well. When you look yeah. at the t- Celtic team at Ibrox, there was only two players in it that he signed, and yeah. one of them was Scott Bain. So it shows, like Scott Brown, yeah, done in the semi final at Hamden a couple of years ago, has been outstanding under Rodgers. Yeah. And there's just so many players that have improved, and that just shows that fans always want the investment in good players, but an investment in a good quality coach is just as important. Yeah. So well, let's move on to someone that would be a huge investment and a name that just keeps coming up in the the rounds of rumours that are inevitably taking place around this position that's going to be open again in the summer if the board decide not to extend Graham Murty's contract, which would be Roberto Martinez. Scott, do you believe there's any substance in this stuff? 
no seen that, Johnny. Right. That been, <laughs> Aye, that I mean been it's it's, it's been mentioned several times over the last few weeks. Yeah, I've been I've been away obviously uh, last week uh, at Cheltenham, so I wasn't really quite keeping tabs of what was going on. Um, but well, Martinez is a huge name. Uh, he's got a Scottish wife, I believe. So I know kind of Scotland holds a it's uh, kind of close to his close to his heart. But he's, I mean, he's in a massive job as it is. I believe he wants uh, to come out of international football. Right. Uh, the the rumour Mel is suggesting that his reputation has taken a big whack with what happened at the end of his tenure at Everton. He would see Rangers as a soft landing point to get back down south. Nah, I'm not having that. I, right. I'd be I'd be amazed if Rangers could uh, listen. We know we all know Rangers are a massive club and, and can be a big pool and always should be a big pool for managers but I think Roberto Martinez has done enough at you know, both Wigan and Everton in England to suggest that if no, as a season he's in a massive job just now with Belgium you got a chance at this World yeah, Cup yeah, I think that's the only chance we just have get rid of if he completely fails at the World Cup because yeah. out the group stages without winning a game yeah. that but, sort of thing that's the only chance I, I agree but even then I mean that's why would, if you're bottom half for the English Premier League, you would be looking at him, do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because so. I suppose that the, the, his spell at Everton was very, very good and then went very, very yeah, bad. Yeah. And his, his spell at Wigan was, was, was really good yeah. throughout. But, but, but it would need, the only way it would happen, as Mark says, a big, a big failure at the World Cup, but it would then need Roberto Martinez to, to actively want to go to Rangers, I think. Yeah. And I, that to me seems unlikely. I mean, if he had some kind of desire, you no, know, through his time in Scotland, maybe saw Rangers as this massive institution and, and always maybe had it in his mind one day I want to manage a, a Rangers or a Celtic, a, you know, a proper big club as opposed to a Wigan or something like that, then fair enough. If he really wanted it, I think it would need to come from him. Mm. But as I say, if he, if he left the Belgium job after the World Cup, I'm not saying there would be a queue of Premier League clubs after him, but there would certainly be there would certainly be a few looking at him. I don't think he'd be short of options. Okay, I've got two more names. Uh, one is a name that Scott, I think you brought up initially, which was uh, Slavin Bilic at the time when uh, Kashina left. Yeah. Is that something that you still think would be a name akin to Brendan Rodgers, someone that could come in, re-energise the club? It would be expensive, but as you know, Mark touched on this this idea of bringing in a guy that really brings the best out of players do you think he's someone that could do that? Yeah I do I mean I, I think if we're talking about top operators Slavin Bielic falls into that category for, for what he's done at, uh, you know, both at club level and international level particularly with, with Croatia but again it get, and back to the Martinez point it, it would need him to want it because you no, know, I think when, when we mentioned Bielic the last time and the Rangers job was up for grabs no, I think he made it pretty clear that no, it wasn't something that, that appealed to him he was, mm. he was hanging on for whether it be another international job or getting back into the English Premier League I think it's very hard now for any Scottish club including Rangers or Celtic that's why it was such a big deal Celtic going for, for Rodgers um, a huge name no, Celtic could afford to do it no, Dermot Desmond's back and, and no, the money that they, they already had no, and there was that link with Rodgers, no, he was a, a Celtic fan um, 
that was a big a big coup for them. Rangers Rangers somehow need to go and attract somebody of that calibre. But my God, it's going to be it's going to be difficult because it's a, for anybody going in there looking at it. It's a huge challenge when you think you know, if, Celt- if, if Celtic and it is a big if Rangers have got a chance in the semi final that they, they proved that at Ibrooks uh, last week. But if Celtic were they going to get another another treble this year, you know, for the for the Rangers guy coming in, what what a challenge it is at the end of the season. One last name, someone that we've not really discussed much on the pod, so I'll I'll, I'll give it to to Mark just to see what you think is uh, Derek McInnes. <laughs> Could that read its head again? No, I really don't think that there's any chance of Derek McInnes going to Ibrooks at any point in the future now. After he turned it down, I think. Uh, it's just I don't think Rangers fans would accept it now at this stage and I think Rangers need to go for someone bigger as well now like maybe at the time he may have been the right guy to come in steady the ship but at the same time he's been shown up by Graham Murthy on three occasions since he turned down the job I think two or three occasions anyway uh, he's he's been yeah he's just not done it since then really he's like Aberdeen fans don't seem impressed by him at all uh, I just I can't see that could, ever happening. Could still come second and win a cup final, though, Dan McKenna. So again, a bit like Murty, there's still a lot to play for as the season progresses. Yeah, there is, but I mean, I, I tend to agree with you, Matt. I, th- I think the problem for Derek McKenna is is kind of what's happened since he turned it down. And you know, if Aberdeen were to finish third, I mean, you couldn't have Graham Murty leading Rangers to second and then go and try and get the guy who's finished behind him. No, and. and no, McInnes would have lost to, to Murty t- two or three times. So, listen, I wouldn't rule out Derek McInnes completely in the future. Um, I think, as we said at the time, I was in favour of McInnes getting the job. I stand by that. I think he's I think he's good enough. I think he had all the credentials at the time to go in there. Um, no, I don't buy a lot of the stuff for Rangers fans you know, after after Murty beat him twice you know, this shows that McInnes wasn't good enough that's nonsense because as I've always said Rangers have got better players than Aberdeen <laughs> what McInnes has achieved with that set of players at Aberdeen um, has been has been excellent and I, and I thought at the time McInnes could have been into Rangers working with better players and then adding some of his own he could have taken, taken the club forward but there is a feeling now that that, that boat is kind of that ship sailed. So I wouldn't rule it out totally in the future because, as I say, I do think he's got he's got quality, Derek, and, and, and does have the credentials to be a Rangers manager. But certainly in the short term, it'd be it'd be very difficult for the club to go back in for him. There seems to be a difficulty with regards to the level of manager we're going to get. We've discussed people like Bilic, like Martinez, and maybe that's, they're slightly unrealistic for a Rangers position. But then we talk about people like Stevie Clark, um, McInnes, and there's a sense if you go by social media, and I know it's it's dangerous to go by social media because it's not necessarily representative, but there's almost that sense that they're not quite good enough or not, not quite big enough. And that's, I think, why there's such a, a dearth of obvious candidates because... There seems to be that sweet spot that Rangers are struggling to find, or us in the media are struggling to find a, a level whereby we can say, well, that makes sense on on all these levels. It ticks all these boxes. Yeah. It just doesn't seem to be anyone out there. I personally think the most obvious candidate is Frank De Boer. He's somebody that's managed at a high level. He's won things, but he's struggled in his last couple of jobs and needs something to 
build his reputation up again and I think Rangers would be perfect for it that would be your number one choice definitely I think if Dave King and the Rangers board aren't going to him seeing if he wants it then they're not doing their job properly uh, he was fantastic at Ajax he won what, four league titles in a row he didn't really get much of a chance at Inter Milan Inter Milan are a club that have been in a mess for a few years anyway and he got even less time at Crystal Palace despite them saying he wanted them, they wanted him to come in change the whole club from top to bottom and then gave him six games before sacking him uh, so I think his reputation is as low as it can get in England and Oh, you saw Jose Mourinho saying yeah. that he was the worst coach in the history exactly. of English so Premier League. He's somebody that's got. He's a big name. He's managed at a high level. He's played at a high level. Knows what Rangers are about, but he needs to build up his own reputation again. I think that would be perfect for Rangers. Certainly a stellar name uh, and a, a viable candidate, and I certainly agree with Mark in the sense that, you know, like Steve Clark, if you're if you're the Rangers board or you're Mark Allen. Um, no, you would you would be kind of neglecting your duties not to not to go and speak to a debut. I think I'm maybe not as a hundred percent as Mark that he would be the right man, but as you say, there's not that many candidates that tick a lot of boxes. The fact that he's available, the fact that his reputation is pretty low at the moment, um, and the fact that there is a Rangers link. There, so he, so he knows the size of the club. You no, know, he knows what it means. Um, he knows the environment. Ajax is a similar type of job. You know, it's a it big fish in a small pond. Be. Yeah, it should be. It should be. But again, at Ajax, you no know, managers are generally allowed to to go in at Ajax. Young managers, and they're allowed to breed, you no know, young players and bring young players through and. and we know they go and they, they then go and sell them on for a profit, which should be the the model, you know, for Rangers and Celtic here. The difference at the moment is if Frank De Boer arrives in the summer, he'll be expected to hit the ground running next year. He'll be expected to go and go toe to toe with, with Brendan Rodgers. And listen, that'll be the case for any any Rangers manager. All I'm saying is, if you're comparing it to the Ajax job, I think you get a bit more breathing space. Uh, in terms of bringing young players in, giving young players a chance, you wouldn't get that. It's, I know Ajax are a huge club, but it's nowhere near as intense as it would be Frank de Boer coming in here with, with the fanfare that he would attract because of his name. Um, he'd be expected to get in there and, and just go and win trophies in that, in that first first season. What's your hunch on, on which road the board will go down, Scott? Do you think Murty will be retained or... What's your gut feeling at the moment as it stands? Well, first of all, I agree with you, and it's a big if, but if he, if he was to win the semi-final and finish second, I think the board would give him the, the job. I think the board want to give him the job. I think Mark Allen wants to give him the job. Graham Murty clearly wants the job. I think he's, to be fair to him, I think he's he's grown into it. I think he's enjoying it now. Um, I think it'd be very difficult now for him to go back to being an under-20s coach after sampling what, what he has done in these, these last six months. So I think the board's got in their instinct that they want to give him the, the job. But as we spoke about earlier, if no, if he goes and loses, if they lose this semi-final, eh, might even go and lose the last old firm game at Celtic Park and then there's a real, a real battle for, for second, then there might be so much kind of feeling among the the supporters that the board might just look around and think we need to we need to look at this list we need we need to get somebody else in. I think a big problem with Marty is that 
fans have been so starved of success for the last five, six years that everything's either amazing yeah, or it's terrible. Yeah, no we've seen between. that never more oh, than yeah. in the last couple just, of weeks. I, I don't think Rangers are as bad as what people have made out since the Kilmarnock game and I don't think they were as good as what people were making out before the Celtic yeah. game and it's just there's, it's, they're in between they're, they're yeah. getting there but they're not there yet yeah. do you know what the, fa- the fans just grasp on yeah. anything I mean, which is totally understandable I, I think it's the same with the players as well I mean, the get, players. Sean yeah. Walsh came in had a few brilliant games everyone wanted to exactly. splash all the cash in the summer on him we, we talked about it for 40 minutes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden he has a couple of bad games that's been deleted that podcast <laughs> <laughs> also, do you, do you know what I'm a England call up? <laughs> <laughs> he had a bad game and then the next thing you know he's the worst player that's ever played for Rangers and that kind of sums it up is that it's either the best everything is either going brilliantly and it's the best thing ever or Listen, we've probably, all, we've probably all been guilty yeah. of it even on here no you get it's easy to get carried away with a few results and to get carried away with players and we think they're better than, than what they are I think no, there's a, a well, the old firm game is a real reality check for a lot of Rangers fans, and 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 hopefully some of the players as well. No, I think some of the players maybe just started to believe a wee bit of their own, a wee bit of their own hype, and were kind of brought brought crashing back down to earth. Just to be a bit more positive, perhaps than we've been, I think looking at the the season as it's progressed. When we started, Scott, we talked about. You know, there's a lot of negativity about Kashina, but you look at that squad and you feel like there's, there's something there. Well, I'd say even more so now. You think about the players that are injured. Dorans comes back. McCrory comes back. It's going to make a big difference to that team. And it has evolved over the time, even though there's been chaos in terms of the managerial situation, behind the scenes at the club. They are slowly but surely stuttering forward. And I suppose it's just a case now of they really desperately need somebody some, to guide them exactly yeah. either a really good manager or some stability with Murty in there working with Alan and hopefully improving himself as a manager as time goes on now whether Rangers is the club to do that or not I suppose is another question but we're going to move on to player of the year candidates uh, the daily record online has got uh, I think 12 players up at the moment who yeah, we think will be... Think, is it yourself, Mark? it's 11. It's 11, is it? That's yeah. nice and odd. Yeah. Was that you, was that you in charge of that? I had little to do with that. One. <laughs> um, but um, the two Rangers candidates that Record Sport have, have picked have been Tavernier and Kindeas. Um Scott, do you believe that either of those two have a chance this year? Uh, I do. I, well, I wouldn't have Kindeas personally. I would have the, the two Rangers players, I think, in contention are... Uh, Taverni and Morelos um, I think Taverni's arguably been their best player this year I know we, we've spoke about you know, get him getting caught defensively once or twice and everyone knows you know, he has to you know, there's room for improvement in that regard but what he gives Rangers going forward uh, the partnership he's had with Kandias which has been excellent for, for a, a big chunk of the season Um and usually his delivery into the box is, is excellent. Uh, his assists count is, is good. He scored a few goals for for fullback. Um, he's even captained the team the last the last wee while. So Tavernier certainly and Morelos I think has to be in contention, uh, especially if he finishes top scorer. Just for a twenty one year old Colombian, not a lot of people knew about him coming in for finished football. 
Um, of course, he's missed a couple of big sitters. I mean, the Celtic one, the one at Air United, but he's always in. He's always in those positions. I don't think he's a kind of kind of boy that no lets his head drop. He's always there for the for the next one, which is a really good trait for any striker. Uh, you ask any kind of former strikers, and they'll they'll tell you that. I, I think the impact Morelos he's made, he deserves a mention, and certainly Taverni. No, will any of them win it? I'm not so sure. Um, but it always sh- seems to be the form in the five games around when the voting <laughs> takes place like absolutely defines yeah. whoever's going to be player of the year. Yeah, I mean you need to you need to be on form at that particular time. I mean, people's when, when you're doing the voting for us, that it's difficult to remember what they were doing at the start of the season. Even as we're sitting here now, you know, you're thinking back to you no know, those some of the performances under Cassinia were obviously so so poor um, but as I say I just think they're candidates if you're purely looking at Rangers candidates those are the two for me um, who deserve a mention as I say whether they'll be on the, the kind of PFA or the football writers shortlist I'm not so sure um, Celtic are obviously going to have a couple in there and Scott Brown's going to have a big say in big time yeah. I, I expect Brown and uh, Brown and Tierney certainly to be to be involved, I think I would go as far as saying a couple of the boys at Hibs, Dylan McGee, John McGinn, will be will be kind of high up the list as well. So, um, but certainly Tavernier and Morelos, yep, without a doubt, deserve a deserve a mention. Mark, I actually completely disagree. I think that the two Rangers players that, sh- that could be in there are Kandias and Josh Windus. I think Windus really. You look at his form over the season. And, if you, look at form, head, yeah. <laughs> if you look at his form over this season, then you've got 17 goals in all competitions, what eight assists, something like that. He's one of the very few players in the league that have that are near double figures in goals and assists. I think he gets a really harsh treatment from the Rangers fans. I think, and he's been he's been excellent all year. It's funny because the the younger stats guys on Twitter they're always saying, uh, you know, how well Josh Windass does statistically. But for me. It's the eye test and the numbers test, and, and the, yeah, he does brilliantly on the numbers, but he just flits in and out of games. Yeah. I think he got really. And harsh. that's the main problem. He, he needs to, if he can have influence over games over ninety minutes, the, the guy is going to be a terrific, terrific player. He's got all the talent in the world, but after the old farm game, he seemed to get a lot of criticism that he wasn't in the game, he didn't do this or that, he wasn't involved enough. But I watched him quite closely in that game, and he he made a lot of really good runs in behind. Simunovic and Bayata and they just weren't getting picked out because Rangers were struggling in the middle of the park but see that's like, that's the big sorry Mark to interrupt but that's the big problem right see if you're playing number 10 you need to have the tactical awareness to go I'm going to drop in yeah exactly and, and, and help sure. and help out because those two are struggling and that's for me that's the biggest problem with Rangers in their midfield but, at the moment if they have Dorans in there I think they're a lot stronger but I think Dorans and Windass play entirely different positions in that part of the field. I think Windass is more somebody that just plays alongside or slightly off. A second striker. And less so as a number 10, whereas yeah. Dorans would be someone that wouldn't score as many goals, create as many, maybe create as many goals, but uh, he's somebody that would help out more in the middle of the part. I don't think it's fair to compare the two of them. I think this is the problem is a lot of people are talking about Rangers playing 4-2-3-1 but for me when they play Windass it's actually 4-4-1-1 it's like an old fashioned 4-4-2 it's much closer to 4-4-2 than it is a 4-2-3-1 or but that to me is tactical naivety to be going against a Kilmarnock side that have a very very tight congested midfield or Celtic and playing a 4 
um, especially with Candias and um, Murphy who are pushed up. Uh, and, and I think you've seen that over and over again as Rangers are, are outnumbered in midfield. And for me, Windass is a big part of that. But yeah. I don't think that's. I don't think. See how you can then blame that on Windass. It's just that he's doing the job that he's told to do. If if I said before the Ophir game that Graham Murphy should have dropped Windass to the bench for it and played Jason Holt and mm-hmm. just packed the midfield. Uh, and I, I still think he should do that for the semi-final bring Windass on in the second half when there's a bit more space maybe or the players are getting tired and just let him run at the so, Celtic defence but I, if you're going to blame somebody for that it's got to be Graham Marty rather than Josh Windass I think though that my reaction to that would be a manager can't hold your hand you have to have the, the in-game ability to spot when your your teammates are in trouble and drop in but but again, it's it's not his role to to do that job. It's like asking Morales to drop back into centre midfield and do it. We we all look at Windass as be, being able to do that because Mark Warburton played him in centre midfield, which was just completely not his position. He'd never played it in his life before, and all of a sudden he's stuck in as a number six beside players that just weren't good enough. Yeah, but listen, you you know yourself. You, you touched on it. The, the fans have given Windass a hard time. I mean. They're, they're frustrated with him for a reason. Yeah, it's no, it's no just. I mean, you can't have like thirty thousand people, no, no, saying the same thing, and there's no something. It, it frustrates people. I think he's flaky, and he's and he's for him. I agree with John. I does think he, he, he flits in and out of games. One moment he'll do something magical, uh, and he'll come up with a, a bit, of, a bit of brilliance, and then you'll no see him. I mean, the, the glaring example aside for the. Celtic game last week. The clear example for me was the very first game of the season at Motherwell. Playing, granted, he was playing wide left. The, the people laugh honestly. The first half it was of that a game, he was like Gareth Bale. He was. He was, was, was fantastic. Unbelie- it was unplayable for uh, for forty five minutes. He was unplayable in the left hand side. He nearly scored the goal of the season yeah. on the first day. Yeah. Honestly, the second half of that game disappeared. No, I do, I do agree with you that I don't think he's the finished article or he's the best player at the club I just think he's had overall the best season when you look at he didn't score I think he scored once before Graham Worthy took charge and since then he's on 17 goals similar to talking about Chris Boyd he's just been on fire since then and I think over the course of the season I don't think ever, there's any player in the Rangers team other than maybe Candace Tavernier that have done it consistently throughout the season you look at Morelos, he had, what, 10 games without scoring a goal. Uh, he's missed a lot of big chances. And I just think that maybe Windass gets it a bit too harsh. OK, well, certainly food for thought there. Um, I just want to close out with one last small uh, little segue into some comments made by Mr Joseph Barton regarding Scottish football <laughs> being Sunday League. What was our reaction to, to Joey's uh, outburst? Just to get attention, Johnny. Yes. Listen, I mean, if you take if you take what Joey Barton says seriously, then there's, there's something wrong. I mean, he's on he's on talk sport. No, he's trying to cause a reaction. He's in England. He's sitting with a Scottish guy. No, he's he knows exactly what he's doing. Everybody knows. Anybody that watches Joey Barton and his eight games, I think, in Scottish football will know five games how much he struggled. Um, I mean, I heard, when I listened to his comments, I mean, he, he, was, saying to, he was saying to Alan Brazil, I mean, I only lost one, only lost one game against Celtic. But you, you drew against Hamilton 
and Kilmarnock no to name but two and he played against his Fife and, and a really in bad the, yeah the I mean a really bad run of, run of games for Rangers so no he's got a bit of a, he's got a wee bit of a, a cheek but I think he knows exactly what he's doing it's just that it was a load of nonsense to he came up here thinking he was the best player in the world he's going to run the league and he just yeah. failed miserably he got begged by Ali Crawford on the first day <laughs> got, he made an absolute disaster against Celtic yeah. I mean Philippe Zedros' performance is the only thing that stops him being the worst player yeah. on the pitch and the, the other game the Kilmarnock game where uh, Greg Taylor gets sent off that was a monstrous challenge that, that was <laughs> a horror <laughs> challenge but, but see taking that away I was at that game uh, I was working that night Barton really toiled that night I mean really toiled uh, I think it, Greg I'm sure Greg Kilty Greg Kilty was playing number 10 for Kelly that night and really no, ran Barton ragged for the, the majority of it uh, and I think I think it did shock him I think being on the Astro Tough no, that night the Kelly players getting in about him as, as Greg Taylor clearly did um, I think it took him aback and that, that for me that for me probably was the game um, the, the, the Hamilton game with the Ali Crawford nutmeg my memory tells me Barton actually did okay that day but he was man of the match yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, I, I think I, that man of the match was very much a this is his he was okay that game I, I did a live blog um, for the record after that game and I remember saying on the live blog Barton and Cranshaw can't play together because yeah. it's like two old guys <laughs> trying to compete with these young things running about them on that day Barton he just kept trying these side to side passes Hollywood passes for trying to send Martin Wycorn through and whoever else yeah. it just you and could even that day although he did play alright you could tell that it just wasn't going to work for him because he and also wasn't at the level it, he wanted to it's be. easy for him to say no I went back down the road to Burnley and immediately started started running the show I mean completely different no situations I mean it's night and day being a Rangers midfield in front of 50,000 when you need to you know, make the game, you need to make the play and go and, go and beat teams and break teams down and you're the guy, you know, you're the, the big sign and you're the guy fans are expecting. That That's huge pressure. Mm-hmm. Going, to, going to Burnley, and with all due respect, being just another cog in the kind of Sean Dyche wheel, if you like, um, when you know, I know Burnley have been brilliant this season, but certainly last season it was kind of backs against the wall and they were grinding at results. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not. I'm not saying. No, I'm not taking that much away from. But to compare the two is just ridiculous. He came up here as the the marquee signing for Rangers and was expected to go and be a real dominant force, and he failed. Failed miserably. Okay, tough stuff for Joey Barton there. That's all from us. We'll be back next midweek with more news analysis of all things Rangers. If you want to get in touch with us to continue the debate, you can. I'm on Twitter at Johnny R. McFarlane. Mark, you are? Uh, at McDougall1994. And sadly, I'm very, very, very sad that I've been on with Scott so many times. I know that it's at Scott McDermott 8, so I know your Twitter <laughs> handle off by heart, Scott. Don't forget to subscribe at iTunes or Audio Boom to get the podcast as soon as it becomes available. And if you liked it, please review and rate us on there too. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.